So today I'm going to look at uh, we're going to look a little bit at James 1:27, and uh, James is talking about what is true religion. I'm kind of going to the reasons I want to look at this. And today, part of the true religion, I just kind of want to focus on the issue of fatherlessness and uh, the severity of it. And it's grown. It's grown in the past three years uh, at a much larger rate than it was. I mean, it's been growing, but it's been getting even the, the pandemic years were extremely bad for fatherlessness also, which you'd think there'd be more people stuck at home with their kids and maybe, but it's not what happened. Um, so the reason I go here, I've heard a lot of people in the church and outside of the church talk about wanting to make a difference. Um, I hear a lot of proposals for different things. People get really fired up about different things and then they cool down and, uh, the hearts are there. People want to change the community and, uh, you know, I hear things about, I want to be close to Jesus. I want to do the things of Jesus. Um, you know, what does Yahweh need from me right now? I want to do the things. I want it to be authentic. I want it to be true. I don't want some kind of fake religious act. I want to do something that is touching where God's at. Um, so people get kind of, they, they, they look at this every once in a while, and it's this need this, to fulfill your responsibility. Um, I just when I hear about that, sometimes I think I think true religion, and I just remember that from from James. You always hear about what is true religion, and so I want to look at James one twenty seven briefly, um, talking a little bit about James, the book of James. Uh, James is in the New Testament. Um, it's one of the it's, it's an odd book in the New Testament because they kind of consider it a wisdom book. It's not so much. A, a letter written with commands as much as it's, it's fulfilling kind of the wisdom role. We talk about the books of the Bible, each having different themes. You know, some books tend to be historical books. Some are kind of law. Some are more narrative. And then some are wisdom books. And the book of James seems to be a wisdom book. And um, right away in James 1, we come across this, and it's a pretty bold statement. Um, some translations will, will translate it true religion here at the beginning, but um, the Amplified and ESV also put a nice spin on it just to kind of look at, to look at that and understand what they're saying. Um, and in the Amplified, it says, pure and unblemished religion, as it is expressed in outward acts, what we do, in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit and look after the fatherless and the widows in their distress, and to keep oneself uncontaminated by the secular world. Uh, the ESV puts it, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So there's kind of three things that, that are being pointed out for people. James is addressing this. What does this look like? What does it look like to follow Yahweh, to follow Jesus, where do you find yourself at all times? What can you fall back on? What, what's, what's true? And that true religious act, they kind of give you three things here. Looking after the fatherless and the widows, and we're going to talk about the definitions of those in biblical times. Um, see, some, some translations have fatherless. Some translations have orphans. For us, orphans mean specific things, and widows mean specific things. 
But in, in the Old Testament and the Hebrew and the Greek, they meant slightly different things than what we may think. Um, but he kind of gives us three things. He says, look out for the widows, the fatherless, and keep yourself unstained. Keep yourself pure from the secular world. Um, that does not mean you can't be in the secular world. And some people take that as the ultimate form of being pure and unstained is to remove yourself entirely from the world. And I'm not entirely, I'm not convinced that that's a good method. Um, but it kind of gives, James lays out three things, three things we want to do. Um, let's look at widow first, real quick. Um, widow in the Greek, um, it's a feminine word, and it's a derivative, derivative of the Greek word for chasm, which the idea of a chasm is this, this large, open nothing. You're missing something. There's something completely devoid. And so the widow is, it, in Greek, it, was, it just means lacking a husband. So it can, be, it can be through death. It can be through divorce. It can be through abandonment. Um, but it's the lacking of a husband. And nowadays when we say widow, we automatically think death. And, uh, but the Bible is kind of making a case for the ladies without, regardless of how it happened, the ladies without. Um, and as used in the Bible, in the Hebrew, you kind of get into, and we're not going to get too big into the language, but the widow and w- widowhood and widow are both from one Hebrew word, um, aman, which means discarded uh, or divorced or forsaken. The root meaning widow is that you are divorced or forsaken by your husband. Uh, the method by which the spouse is left without a husband is kind of immature, immaterial in the passages where they use it. Sometimes they'll distinguish it. Sometimes they'll say, um, you know, helping those who are widowed and have lost their husbands. So they almost make like a, a second to, to describe what widow we're talking about. Um, so when we look at things with widow in the Bible, we just need to keep in mind that it's devoid of a husband. And we'll, we'll kind of, we'll revisit this next when I, when I talk about like single motherhood and those that are without Orphan is interesting in James. The, orf, the word orphan that they use is the Greek word orphanos, which makes sense. And it's only used one other time in the Bible, um, in the New Testament. They use other words for fatherless and orphan in other places. But uh, um, the other time is, is actually John um, 16 to 18. And so John 16, 16, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And I will not leave you as orphans, and then in quotations, comfortless. Um, depending on the translations, I will come to you. So that, that the idea is Jesus is talking about what's going to happen when he leaves. And so Jesus is saying with the same word, I'm not going to leave you fatherless. I'm going to send someone for you. Um, so it kind of has that connotation of being alone without that father figure. Um, and again, modern terms, we hear orphan, we think dead parents. Um, but that's not necessarily the biblical view on the word that they're using, which is why a lot of places that it goes back and forth between fatherless and orphan. Um, and when I say fatherless, I kind of want to focus on the fatherless today. I don't want to degrade those without mothers at all, because that is also very important. I believe it is a complete package ordained from God. 
So I don't want us to think that I'm, um, I'm ignoring the importance of motherhood. Um, so I just kind of settle on the idea that it, it just means without a father. And uh, that can mean a lot of different things these days. It can mean, you know, dad jailed, otherwise absent. When you look at the Hebrew understanding, it kind of goes with all of it. The, new, the Greek understanding kind of goes with all of it. Um, we don't need death to distinguish one as being one of those that we need to, to come alongside of. So it's, it's more than just those that have lost their parents to death. Um, and again, a disclaimer, I don't want to get into politics with this. I don't want to get into reasons, perhaps, that we have more fatherlessness. Um, it's not where I'm going today. I just want to focus on the effects of fatherlessness and what we can do as a church. Um, if you look up fatherless in a word study in the Bible, there's hundreds and hundreds of instances where it talks about fatherless and the widow, usually in combination. What James is saying is nothing new, literally hundreds of verses. And I just put a few down here, but we could have just read verses with either commands or wisdom about treating widows and orphans, fatherless and women without husbands. Um, and you find it all throughout the Bible. It's not just like... Uh, certain genres, it's not just in the wisdom books, you find it in the law books, you find it in the history books, there's always mentions, and sometimes when it talks about a good king, it'll talk about the good king took care of the fatherless and those without husbands. So like, it's, it's all throughout, you, you can't escape it throughout the Bible, it's such a giant emphasis, um, even from the beginning. Um, and God, in, de, in, in describing God, he's the father of the fatherless, the protector of widows, is God in his holy habitation. Um, give justice to the weak and the fatherless, maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute, to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed, so that man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. This is interesting because this is, we'll talk about this later, um, this idea even back when, and this is a psalm, so you're talking 4,000 years ago, this idea that if you do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed, you're going to minimize terror in the earth. So like this, this problem is not new. People of, this, of all societies and all places on earth saw this as an issue. Isaiah starts off when he's giving prophecies uh, to different leaders. Um, you know, your princes are rebels and companions of thieves Everyone loves a bride, runs after gifts, and they do not bring justice to the fatherless and the widow cause does not come to them. So this idea that like when he's, when he's saying, these are the things that you're doing wrong, one of the first things he brings up is that you're not taking care of these people. You're not stepping into those roles. And um, literally, like I said, hundreds of verses, go do a word search on fatherlessness. It's, it's all the way through. So I don't, as we get into this and I talk more statistics and things that maybe help, I don't want you to think that there's no Bible in this. Like, we could sit here for 20 minutes and just talk about fatherlessness in the Bible um, and go through the verses. We need to understand that this has been an issue since the beginning of time. And it seems to be a place where um, evil tends to strike. And people, we'll talk about that, but... Just looking at the beginning, we're in the garden, we're doing the things that we need to do with God. Um, Adam and Eve are walking with God. They have that relationship with the Father right there. And that little, the bring in of sin, the fall, 
They're no longer quite as close as they were. They're now out of the garden. God is not walking with them. We see that God is still talking to them because Cain and Abel know what they need to do for God. So we know that that relationship is still there. But there's strike one. We see that we're, we're widening away from our father. Um, strike two, we get into Genesis 6. And the sin of man is so bad. Things are so corrupted. God doesn't recognize humanity as what he intended. And then we get the flood. And there's that extra division again away from the father. Um, and then you see strike three in the ancient world. You see it with the Tower of Babel. Um, Men are trying to control God. There's not that healthy relationship as father and children. And then God ends up splitting them. And he, you know, he, splits, he splits the peoples. He gives them other leaders. Um, other leaders, other spiritual beings are set over them. And they don't, they, they, they've lost the relationship with the real father. And what they eventually get is wicked stepfathers from those spiritual beings. And so that's, that's all humanity. That's the beginning of time. That's that early stuff. And already we see that they're striking at the notion of understanding the importance of fatherhood. In this case, fatherhood with God. Um, until Jesus takes care of that. Um, historically, we know that fatherlessness, high rates of fatherlessness, rip societies apart. Uh, death rates of men back in the days because of hard work, because of war, because just bodies giving out from the work that they were doing in the past, um, you'll see results in the next generation. So some people like historians look, they can see if there's a total wipeout of guys, um, you usually see within the next couple generations the fall of the culture. And it's a well-known thing. The Assyrians, part of what made the Assyrians back in Old Testament time, they would come in and some, some armies would come in and they would wipe out all men. The Assyrians felt that they didn't need to do that. The Assyrians thought you just take out the older men, you let the little, the little boys, because what will happen is they knew when that society goes up without the fathering, you, it, it's still going to go. It's still going to completely go. And um, so that's just an example of one thing they did with the Hebrews back in the Bible. But, but fatherlessness, you look at some of the effects um, right after like the Civil War in America, there are some things that happen the rise of some institutions and stuff that are, that are not good. Um, but it's, it's throughout history. Um, just looking at today in America, and this is where I'll spend a little more time because this is us. Um, fatherlessness, four times the risk of poverty without a father at home. Uh, for daughters, seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen. teen. This is all based on 2020 census information you can get right off from the census bureau uh three times more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol two times more likely to suffer obesity uh 63 percent of youth suicides are from fatherless homes 90 percent of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes that's 32 times the average uh going back to the suicide five times the average if there's not a father in the home um, 85% of children who show behavior disorders come from fatherless homes. That's 20 times the average. 71% um, of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes, nine times the average. 70% um, of youths in state-operated institutions, which would be kind of like juvie, I believe, is what they're getting at, um, nine times the average. So from fatherless homes. 85% of all youths in prison and this was from the South. It's, it's pretty much 
throughout the United States the same as 20 times the average. So just being within that setting, there are some things that you just have way higher risk. And uh, again, don't need to get into the exact reasons on that, just knowing that th these are our numbers, these are our current numbers through 2020. Um, this doesn't even reflect some of the effects of the last two years of the pandemic period. Um, and I got a little video that illustrates this. They do a pretty good job with it. So if we could roll that video. This is Billy. Billy is a truly fortunate kid, one of only 2% of children in the world born in the United States. Billy has already won the Education, Nutrition, Healthcare, and Professional Lottery. Billy lives in the land of opportunity. But is Billy really that fortunate? Because Billy is growing up without a father. 40% of children in America are growing up without a dad, and Billy is one of them. Because of that, Billy is twice as likely to drop out of school, and twice as likely to commit a crime and get arrested. If Billy is a girl, she's 53% more likely to get married as a teenager. 111% more likely to have children as a teenager, 164% more likely to have an out-of-wedlock birth, and 92% more likely to get divorced herself. 92%. Billy is 4.6 times more likely to commit suicide. 15 times more likely to have behavioral disorders, 15 times more likely to end up in prison while a teenager, and 24 times more likely to run away. It doesn't look good for Billy. The fact is, fathers matter. Children with involved, loving fathers are significantly more likely to do well in school, have healthy self-esteem, exhibit empathy and pro-social behavior, and avoid high-risk behavior such as drug use, truancy, and criminal activity compared to children who have uninvolved fathers. So it's a good thing Billy has one. God in his holy dwelling is a father of the fatherless. He provides homes for those who are deserted. Look at how great a love the Father has given us that we should be called God's children. And we are. I will be a father to you, and you will be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Just a brief illustration with the numbers thrown up there. Um, those are older than the ones that I had even. And so going back to the slides. Um, they quoted in there 40% uh, without a father. And so this is looking at current, it's kind of small. Um, current single parent households America is actually the highest percentage of single-parent households in the world, which is interesting because you'd think in war-torn countries, in different places that we hear about on the news, 
that it would be wor worse, but it's not. This is Pew Research, the Pew Research Center, um, but America has the highest, it's the worst for single-parent homes. Um, of America's single-parent homes, roughly 18% are single-father homes, so the majority are single-mother homes. But uh, It's not what you expect. If I were to hand people a map and say, let's put fatherlessness percentages on these just to guess, this isn't what we come up with. We have the highest percentage of single-parent homes in the world. And that's not something that we would normally think about with us um, because we don't really, we don't talk about it a whole lot. We know it's an issue, but we just, we don't, we don't. The other thing people like to do when they hear this is they like to turn it into a race issue, that it's just certain communities. These are st the statistics nationwide, so this isn't regional stuff, this is just nationwide. I can tell you that single-parent homes and fatherlessness in northern Michigan uh, is definitely higher than 34% for the majority of our white population. Um, but this is where we're at. You can see that, I mean, not, not one of those numbers is good. Like, no one, is, no one here would be like, yeah, I think 20% I think fatherless rate is acceptable. I don't think any of us would say that. But yet, that's the lowest, and that's the Asian community. Um, it, it's a real issue, especially when you start throwing in the statistics. So you're looking at the children. And I realize that children aren't statistics, there are individuals. There are individuals that, that break some of these molds. I'm not saying that's possible. I'm just saying, looking at numbers, you can see it, it, it's a downward spiral because what happens is when they engage in those behaviors as youth, you know, there's, there's no way they're escaping poverty for the most part. There's no way they're going to become the fathers they would need to be um, if we just let things go. Uh, just looking at the single mother makeup back in 1968 of the single mothers, and we'll talk more about single mothers at some point, 4% uh, were never married. Back in 1968, 82% divorced, 14% absent father rate, fathers that take off. Fatherlessness is such rampant that at my after-school program, some kids will talk to each other, and when they ask something about a dad, they make jokes like, your dad went out for milk too and never came back. And then they'll refer to their dad as also the one that, you know, my dad went out for milk too. And it's a joke. They refer to that old stereotype, dad went out for milk and never came back. It's a joke for them. It's how they identify with one another because the father is absent. Third graders. But uh, you can see, so, I mean, society changes. There's different emphasis put on different things. And again, I don't want to get political with this. But those are, you know, those are the rates. So it, it, it is what it is. So when we look at places, there's no shortage of places to live out true religion. It's all around us. Um, what do we do? Ultimately, we need to share the story of Yahweh, Jesus, Holy Spirit. We talk about the, we talk about the Trinity. We talk about the story of what God has. We remind kids when we have relationships with them, we remind him that the story of the Bible starts out with a good father enjoying his children. That's how it starts out. That's how we, as the human race, start out. With that emphasis on fatherhood. That emphasis of being with the father. Um, and until the Holy Spirit leads you to those conversations, be a father figure. Be the person that can fill some of that role. Um, 
it doesn't have to look the same for everybody. Everybody is different. Different kids have different needs and different interests. And we'll talk a little bit about the statistics of getting involved with kids and trying to fulfill some of those roles. Um, but I just want to say, if you're into certain things, try to find kids that are into similar things so that you share those interests. There are kids out there who are hungry for anything. They don't even care what you're doing. They would go on shopping trips with you if you just want someone to take along on a shopping trip and they just want to talk to you and go on a shopping trip with you. And it makes a world of difference. It makes their weekend. To me, that's just weird. But that's where we're at. Um, they've done studies now longer studies, we've gotten to a point where they started realizing this back in the 80s, what was really happening with, happening with the fatherless rate. They started doing studies, they did some local studies, they did some like studies through like Big Brothers, Big Sisters foundations. Um, they've done some economic studies, and this is important when you think, it kind of makes sense. Um, but among fatherless males who are participating in the studies, and these are through like after school programs, Big brothers, big sisters, things that are set up kind of for mentorship to provide those father figures for children. Um, the fatherless males who were mentored or fathered, studies showed an earning higher than those in the same bracket without that figure of 101%. That means a doubling income. What happens, why that's important, is that when you double income, you tend to have a little bit less of all those statistics that we show because they're, they're stepping out of poverty, if that makes sense. So they're around some of that stuff a little less. They might make some different choices a little bit based on the fact that they have choices. Um, and that's a big deal. That's, that's, that is a larger deal. Money doesn't change everything. I understand that. But we can be honest. Money makes things a little bit easier at times. We know that. And as much as we want to act like that's not true, that is true. And the fact that that's just showing that that, that long-term, even if it's a couple hours a week, that long-term relationship, that building, um, it's going to equal, generally equals more income. Again, these are all statistics. Uh, studies show that fatherless kids with father figure mentors do all around better in the development of general social skills. What do people need to be hired and, do successful at, and be successful at their jobs? They need general social skills. Most of the time, especially in the day's economy, if they can get somebody in there who has great social skills and show ups to work, shows up to work, they will train that person to excel at that job. They need those social skills. They need to know this person can talk to other people and be there. This person can empathize with people and see maybe this isn't the right time to say certain things. This isn't the right time to do things. But what it shows is that the father figures, mentors do an all-around better job in developing those social skills. On the downside, what they did notice when I looked at the statistics is that when you have those mentorship and fathering programs, it doesn't make a giant difference on grades itself. They tend to stay in school, but they don't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily make the grades go up a whole lot, which it is what it is. Uh, mentoring led to, in, in the giant studies, mentoring led to 46% less chance developing drug issues. 27% less chance of developing alcohol issues with that father figure in place. Um, the kids involved in these re relationships express that they have been able to communicate with parents much better. So their ability to talk to other adults 
and start relating and talking, in this case, for most of this, how I'm talking to mom, how I'm getting along with my mom in those teenage years and those young adult years, it tends to improve that communication. Um, Relationships based around the interests and needs of children tended to last longer and had increased positive benefits. This is important. If you're into nerdy stuff, find a little nerdy kid without a dad that doesn't, you know, not able to do nerdy stuff with them. If you're into music, if you're into fishing, if you're into construction, kids, kids get interested in things, lots of different things. They need different things. Um, find something around the interest and the needs, because you've got to remember that those interests and needs, that's the vehicle of establishing that relationship. That's how you pass on those social skills. That's how you pass on the chances where those discussions turn to Jesus. You can provide that witness. You can provide that story. Um, like I said, there's always kids that just want to do something with a father figure. It doesn't matter. When I'm at work, it's, it's amazing how many young boys want to help clean up after something. They want that time. They want that, that going through, being part of that. Again, for me, I had a great father. And I was kind of a kid and kind of lazy at that point, and I didn't really want to help clean up. There's no reason I'd want to help clean up. But they take those opportunities. Good job. Thank you for helping me clean up. That's what they want. They want that time, and they want to hear that. It, it tends to be overwhelming. We've studied the physical results. We just talked about all the data. That's just what the secular world is saying. Okay, you put in the spiritual component, some things, it's making more of a difference. Um, On a spiritual side of things, you can approach those generational issues. So maybe there are things that have been happening over and over that keep kids locked in fatherless cycles. Things that that would determine whether they're going to be good fathers and be around or not. Um, Trauma, things that resonate through time. Uh, Science is looking at epigenetics. In epigenetics, I'd encourage you to go look at epigenetics. It's basically your genes change as you grow based on lots of different things, physical things, environmental things, um, anxiety will change, turn off certain genes, certain genes turn on. So what happens, and there's, there's the nature-nurture thing. What they're finding out is there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of nature going on, just as much as nurture. In the past, we used to just say, kids always learn this crap from their parents. But what we're finding is when, this, when, this, when their parents aren't around them to teach them this crap, those genes are already turned on. They have a disposition towards certain things, and then they're going to pass them on to their kids with other genes turned off or on. And that's how we're starting to get this compounded and I believe that there's so much spiritual with that. We're going to have to look at that at some point. But I think that, you know, prayer and Holy Spirit, I think it can have a genetic impact on us. I think Holy Spirit provides healing for those things, and I think things get turned on and off. Um, we have the tools. We have the teachings of Jesus. We have the teachings of Yahweh. We know the things, how things are supposed to be. We have those stories, we have those tools, we have power. Holy Spirit in us. Can we listen to Holy Spirit? Can we do what he says? Can we take those opportunities? Can we minister into these lives? Can we be those figures? 
And that means we have to make time. And of course, I'm talking mainly to guys with this. Again, mothers do wonderful things. I'm not downing the mother. Um, But guys have to make time to do this. They have to make time to make these connections and step into that. Another thing is they've, they've started to do some smaller studies on construction sites. And I thought this was interesting because they're starting to look at that. Can you make those appropriate changes with a father figure with, with men in their 20s and 30s? And what they're finding um, with the construction thing, because they're looking at how often are we losing workers and having to rehire, they're finding that even when they keep the older guys around and the older guys are stepping into that father leader role in a construction crew, productivity goes up and they don't have the turnover from that person fulfilling that role. And so they're starting to look at the fact that not necessarily like a life counselor, but older guys stepping into the lives of the young men and still being able to pattern things and still be able to teach and step into that role. So even if it's missing from zero to 18, there are other points in life where these men can step in and still make a difference. And uh, it's, it's crazy. I, I had no idea that America was the worst with this, with the single, single parent homes and the, the fatherlessness. Those statistics, too, the, the scarier thing about that is the recent one was 38% uh, single-parent homes. That doesn't include what is projected at 8% of kids that are living with grandparents. So both grandparents are in the home, so it's not considered a single-parent home. So you have 38%, probably another 8%, almost half of your kids are missing a relationship with one of their parents completely. And God bless the grandparents that go through that. I would say, in my experience around here, 8% might actually be a little low for the number of kids living with their grandparents right now. And uh, so God bless the grandparents who are stepping into those father and mother roles. And uh, more power to you. God bless you and what you do. So I just want to end this. I realize it's a lot of statistics. Again, we could just go through the Bible, and the Bible will tell you over and over and over, take care of the fatherless, take care of the mothers without a husband, and the women without a husband, over and over and over and over and over. Um, but what can you do about fatherlessness? What can you do to step into that personally? And then also think about what we can do as a local body to step into that. What does that look like? Um, what can he, we help with that? Going back, the effect of one father figure, um, and this extends even to just females that mentor too. They're looking at suicide rates, behavioral issues, um, the issue with depress- depression, the millennials and Gen Z with their huge suicide rates and depression issues right now. A lot of people aren't talking about that. Um, just being consistent in a life a couple hours a week seems to make a fairly large difference. Um, So don't feel like it's too big for you. What can you do about fatherlessness? What can you do in your own life? And what can we do as a church? What would that look like? You know, what what do kids need? Um, I think sometimes the kids need Jesus 100%. I'm not saying that's not a thing. That is our purpose. The Great Commission needs to happen. 
but we need to look at beyond the gospel. How do we help these, these boys and girls? How do, you, how do you start to change some of those behaviors? There's stuff that we can do. Again, Holy Spirit leading, I understand all of that. I don't disagree, and it's going to be the most powerful when it's people working alongside with what Holy Spirit is doing. But what can we do? What kind of, what can we offer? So that's just kind of where I was at today. Um, I think about this a lot with my line of work. I can honestly say when I have a bad day at work, it's usually the result of having to deal with fatherlessness. And that's, that's, you know, my stressor, and that's what makes my job feel so impossible are these rates and these things that come with that. And uh, so it's on my heart a lot. I wanted to talk about it. The Bible is very clear. I don't know why the church doesn't talk more about it when it's in the Bible as much as it is from the start to the end. And uh, I think it's just something we got to do. It's something people just have to step up and do and then look at the results in their local communities Maybe that's a model enough for other people to join on board and get serious about it. So, so let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you that you are a great father, that you provide that role for so many kids around the world too that don't have that. And Lord, we thank you that you title yourself Father to the Fatherless. It's such a big deal to you that along with Lord of the Host, Lord of the armies of heaven, you're concerned about people thinking, you, thinking about you as the father of the fatherless. That you're both of those things. And that's the way you expressed yourself to us. At the beginning, you could have expressed yourself any way you wanted, and that's how you chose to express yourself, was as a father. And I'm amazed at that. So Lord, I just ask for more of that Father's heart in us. It's something we profess as a church. It's something we've talked about a lot in the past, about having that Father's heart. So Lord, show us what having a Father's heart looks like. What does it look like in Kalkaska County? How does my life change to be a father? Holy Spirit, I just ask that you'd show us. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would prepare us for when those opportunities arise. That we would have no fear and we would step into things. So Father God, we thank you. We just pray in faith that you will show us what you desire with us. We can read our Bibles and we can obey. So Lord, I just ask that you would show us the way. Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity to, to be part of that family again. That as we step into sons, sonship, daughtership, Lord, that we, we just thank you for that chance to do that. Thank you that you paid the way that was atoned for. 
We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.